0: The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to the Midwest Crime Files. I'm your host, Gina. And I'm Chris. We're here to tell you the stories of small towns and the heinous crimes that change them forever.
0: Oh, we've missed you guys so much.
1: We really have. I apologize for our hiatus, but thank you all so much for your love and support while I went through surgery. And, you know, hopefully from here on out, things will be a little healthier for me and in our whole household, we right. hope.
0: And, you know, like, hopefully we'll be back on track with the publishing and stuff like that. and. That. Like we, this season has taken forever it seems like
1: this has been the most disjointed season ever we were talking about this on our patreon episode so like i promise you guys next season we will do so much better yeah,
0: but once again <laughs> thank you guys for all the the support and stuff like that you've shown on facebook uh with gina uh, I know it meant a lot to her. so
1: It sure did. So here we are. Um, so this week's story is Murder in Bay Village, the Marilyn Shepherd story. Now, as I tell this story, a lot of people probably have heard about it or at least aspects of it. Of course, you haven't, Chris, but a lot of other people. Um, but it's just very interesting to me. And I really want Chris's opinions on what he thinks actually happened. So let's. Jump right in. In 1954, in Bay Village, Ohio, physician Samuel Shepard was a prominent member in the Cleveland, Ohio suburb where he resided with his wife, Marilyn, and son, Sam, who went by Chip Shepard. Dr. Shepard and his wife were high school sweethearts. After Marilyn was found dead in her bed, though, on July 4th, 1954, this picture-perfect family would find themselves under the microscope of per- public perception. The high-profile case remains highly debated to this day. Now, mind you, this is like...
0: 70 years. Almost
1: 70 years ago. It's Yeah. Yeah. And it's still something that people are debating, what actually happened to Marilyn Shepard.
0: It sounds like something I might be interested in then.
1: So Samuel Holmes Shepard... Was born December 29th, 1923. He was the son of a physician, Dr. Richard Shepard of Cleveland. So along with his father, his brothers also became doctors. This is like a whole family of doctors. Well, I mean,
0: back in the 50s, that's kind of what you did. Like whatever dad did, you kind of just followed suit.
1: Yeah. And like, we're not talking family physicians. They were like neurosurgeons. Oh, really? That's, yeah. That's awesome. You know what I actually thought for those of you who watch Grey's Anatomy? Like what? Dr. Shepard was a neurosurgeon on Gray's Anatomy. I just wonder if that's where they pulled it from. I'd never. Or maybe it. it's just irony. Well, I don't I've never know.
0: seen Gray's Anatomy, so I
1: know you haven't. I'm talking to the fans. <laughs> okay, let's get back here. So throughout high school, Sam was like the perfect all American boy. You know, you imagine especially in the 40s when he was in high school, you know, he played sports, he was a class president, he made exceptional grades, he was offered several athletic scholarships because of his work in athletics in high school, but he actually decided he was just going to become a physician like his brothers and his father. He attended Hanover College in Indiana, followed by the Los Angeles Osteopathic School of Physicians and Surgeons, which is now the University of California, Irvine. Um, he completed his internship and residency in neurosurgery at Los Angeles County General Hospital, all along with his high school sweetheart, Marilyn, beside him. Marilyn Reese Shepard was born in Cleveland, Ohio, Her mother died when she was a small child, and Marilyn was raised by her father, Thomas Reese. She was the girlfriend of Sam Shepard. She followed him to California, and and eventually the two got married on February twenty-first, 1945. A few years after the wedding, they moved back to Cleveland, where Sam joined his father's practice, and the couple welcomed their son, Samuel Reese Shepard, who they called Chip, sometime around 1947.
0: So he got kind of lucky that he didn't get drafted. Apparently. I mean, I guess I guess maybe because he was in medical school, maybe. Yeah, or I didn't like, even think about that. Yeah, like that's prime wartime, like, yeah. especially when he graduated high school.
1: Yeah, that's like, true. That's true. I didn't even think about that. The couple settled in Bay Village, Ohio, which is a very upscale community near Cleveland. And in, their house was actually on the shore of Lake Erie. On the night of July 3rd, 1954, Sam and Marilyn had their neighbors over for dinner. The couples, um, they had a nice dinner together and then they kind of settled into the living room where they started to watch the movie Strange Holiday. Now, Sam, you know, he's a neurosurgeon. He worked that day and he he was pretty tired. So he laid down on a daybed and actually fell asleep. Marilyn continued to entertain their guest and finally she said goodnight to them and then she retired up to the bedroom. Seven-year-old Samuel Reese Shepard, known as Chip, was asleep in his bedroom. According to Sam, he awoke on the daybed hearing the screams of his wife Marilyn upstairs. He said that he rushed upstairs and something hit him in the back of the head and he fell unconscious.
0: That's interesting so far.
1: Yeah. According to Sam, he came to on the floor just as a person was running down the stairs. Dr. Shepard said that he ran after this intruder, a man he described as bushy haired. He followed the man down to the beach where there was a struggle. And Dr. Shepard was once again knocked unconscious. He said that he then woke up about 540 a.m., on the beach, a neighbor who was also the Bay Village murder received a frantic phone call shortly after from Sam, and basically he called his neighbor, who just happened to be the mayor, and said, "I need you to get over here. Someone's killed Marilyn."
0: Well, this is the before nine one one, so
1: it's still interesting. You wouldn't it call is. the police department or anything. You called your neighbor.
0: Well, I mean, if the if your neighbor's the mayor, it's not that. I mean hell yeah I would there's a lot You're, of
1: people that thought it was weird maybe it's not
0: I, I'm sorry in the in the 1950s when there's no real 911 or anything like that and you still have to call the police station directly no I'm calling the mayor because he can get people at my house a hell of a lot quicker
1: right well um, you know they did get first responders there and when they first arrived Sam was shirtless his pants were soaked with water He also had a blood stain on his knee. Upstairs in the shepherd home, they found Marilyn lying dead in a pool of her own blood. Marilyn was pronounced dead at the scene by the coroner. And actually, by the time the police got there, the coroner had already removed her body from the crime scene.
0: I find that odd. Isn't it? That before, yeah, like the coroner's like, nope, we're taking the body. No, motherfucker. Like, no. He was like,
1: it's a murder. Let's move it to the...
0: Let's go take her to the morgue and... Yeah. Do y- like, that's just odd that he picked her up before detectives could take photos and shit like right. that, you know?
1: Right. And then, you know, when the detectives got there, Dr. Shepard was also already at the hospital because of his own injuries. The autopsy on Marilyn revealed multiple blows to the head that included commuted fractures, Of the skull and separation of the frontal suture, bilateral subdural hematomas, diffuse subarachnoid hemorrhage, contusions to the brain, multiple lacerations of the forehead and scalp, fractures of multiple teeth, and a fracture to the nose.
0: Okay. So let's break this down Barney style.
1: So they beat the hell out of her head. So basically basically what
0: they're saying is that like the separation of the frontal suture, your brain or your skull actually ha- Is multiple different bones that fuse When you're a baby that broke And then she had Subdural hematoma so she had brain bleeds
1: Yeah
0: Or uh, brain, uh, brain Bruising
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then The subarachnoid hemorrhage she had a brain bleed Like she got the shit like and then broken, teeth. broken
1: bones and teeth and everything Else so Jesus yeah they Christ. just they beat the Shit out of her yeah Um. Her lungs also showed that she had Aspirated on her own blood Which means she was awake, or at least alive, for some of this suffering. And it also found that she was four months pregnant with a son. Oh, damn. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, obviously this was violent. This was heinous. This was awful. At the hospital, Dr. Sham Shepard was also being treated for multiple injuries that he sustained during this incident. These included a fractured neck a concussion, weakness, and nerve damage to the left side of his body.
0: Damn, so he got the shit kicked out of him, too.
1: Yeah. Despite his injuries, though, Dr. Shepard was cooperative, and he immediately gave a statement to please. He explained that he was in and out of consciousness after being hit by this attacker. He remembered checking his wife's pulse, realizing she was gone. He said that he chased the suspect to the beach and he got knocked out again. And when he woke up again, his watch and class ring were missing. So from the outside, it seems like robbery, maybe. That's what it seems like. The items that Dr. Shepard reported missing, though, were found in a canvas bag in a shrubbery behind the couple's house. So that's where it kind of gets weird. Because if it was a robbery, why would they leave the stuff?
0: Person got scared.
1: That wasn't the only thing that made police a little suspicious, though. There were drawers and Dr. Shepard's medical bag that seemed to have been rummaged through. But nothing was missing. So, So,
0: like, okay, you say that. Was there anything important in those drawers to be taken? You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Like
1: and that I don't know. Like I mean, hell,
0: I can rummage through maybe, my my underwear drawer and guess what? You're going to find men men's underwear. And that's it.
1: Yeah. I guess they thought that the police thinking was that if somebody had rummaged through those bags, then they knew he was a doctor maybe going after a prescription pad or something. I don't know. Right. I'm just, you know, that's one thing they said made them suspicious. They also found it suspicious that the family dog had not been noticed barking by any neighbors. And they thought that was weird because if a stranger was in the house, they said the neighbor would have been barking and the neighbors would have heard it. I'm sorry, the dog would have been barking and the neighbors would have heard it. Yeah,
0: it'd been weird if the neighbor was barking. Yeah,
1: that would have been weird.
0: Rawr, 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 get off my neighbor's lawn. Rawr, 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 rawr.
1: Yeah. So they said that was suspicious. They also found it suspicious that seven year old Chip had not woken up during the struggle.
0: Now, I can... I'm sorry, but kids can sleep through anything. I know. Like, some of them have hair triggers, some of them are logs.
1: I mean, we've had several cases where there's been a kid in the house that slept through everything. Right.
0: The dog makes me suspicious, you know, like, because, yeah, if, hell, in our house, we barely, you know, go to hit somebody with a towel, like, in a playful manner, our dogs go nuts. I couldn't imagine... And if,
1: that kind of makes me think, too, like if no... Just because nobody heard the dog barking doesn't mean he wasn't barking. Right. And even if it was an inside job, you think he'd still be barking. Right. You know, it just... To me, it didn't... I don't know. It didn't make me that suspicious, I suppose. You know, it just wasn't anything that I thought was, you know, terribly suspicious. But the police did. And they immediately identified the prime suspect as Dr. Sam Shepard. The police investigation was not as thorough, though, as one would hope. Yeah, no shit. For one thing, like I said, her body was already gone before the detectives got there. The coroner, Dr. Samuel Gerber, had a long-standing feud with the Shepard family and their medical practice. And so a month before the murder, he said he was, quote, going to get them someday, end quote. So now you've got the doctor doing the autopsy and, you know, making all these findings, who has a known vendetta against the prime suspect. Right. You know, that should have been
0: well, the fact reassigned
1: that her, or something. The
0: fact that her damn body was moved. Right. Is, like, iffy enough. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's a, like, no, 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 no. We never move bodies until the detectives, like once again, I don't know how it was back in the 50s. I would think that was still odd, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was not the way it was supposed to be done.
1: Right. At the crime scene, Marilyn's gown was pulled up, exposing her breasts and her genitals. However, the coroner said that he did not feel this was a sexually motivated homicide.
0: How would you know? (laughs) I'm sorry, but if if it presents like one, you gotta treat it like
1: so, because he did not feel this was sexually motivated, he failed to take anal and oral sl- swabs during the autopsy. So, whenever there, I mean, usually whenever any female's murdered, but especially if she's found half clothed or sexual right. assault, you know, is suspected, there's always a vaginal, anal, and oral swab taken. He did take a vaginal, he did not take the anal or the oral.
0: Jesus I, Christ.
1: Yeah. Additionally,
0: so I wonder if he was just, if he just had so much apprehension for these, this fucking family that he's like, fuck it. I don't know. You're getting the bare minimum. From but it me. gets
1: way worse. Additionally, neighbors and members of the press were given access to the crime scene unsecured. How the fuck? They let the press come in and tore the crime scene before they had even put a. Inch on this investigation,
0: I would be fuck like no.
1: And neighbors were in and out of the house the morning of the murder in the crime. Jesus
0: scene. Mary, good St. joseph So
1: most of your forensics are going to be worthless. Yeah, I mean, mind you, this is 1954. They're not real big on forensics at that point, but any forensics are pretty much worthless. The media played a huge role in this case. The Cleveland Press, in particular. Um, almost immediately, media coverage accused Dr. Sam Sam Shepard of murdering his wife while still investigating the crime. The newspaper published an article accusing Dr. Shepard of the crime. On July 21st, 1954, the paper's headline read, quote, do it now, Dr. Gerber, end quote. And this was refer, referring to them, basically the media, pressuring the coroner to have a coroner's inquest on the Case. This was scheduled the day after the news article was published, so it worked. I mean, the the press got them to move forward. On July thirtieth, the headline read, "Quote: Quit stalling and bring him in." End quote. That night, Sam Shepard was arrested for his wife's murder.
0: The dude had a fucking broken neck. Yep. Like, okay. It takes some serious do du- like t- some serious pressures to break a human neck like to, like not break it but fracture
1: it mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, as a neurosurgeon, if he was going to fake his injuries, I think he would fake them in a way where he wouldn't end up with paralysis, which he did have left side paralysis right like, it wasn't total paralysis, but right, it was significant
0: it's just it, it it's mind-boggling that this fucking newspaper had so much control over him
1: mm-hmm. Before the trial, detectives learned of a lie that Dr. Shepard told them during the investigation. They learned that the Shepard marriage was not as picture perfect as they had believed it to be. Dr. Shepard had engaged in numerous affairs, which friends stated his wife was aware of and resentful of. Marilyn would smoke cigarettes, and this apparently really pissed off Dr. Shepard. He did not want his wife smoking. At times, Dr. Shepard would drink excessively. Sometimes he is suspected of drinking so much that he would actually have memory lapses. And that night, they believe that he was drinking excessively. And that's why he fell asleep on the daybed. Police theorized that he was drunk, went up to the bedroom to try to have sexual relations with his wife, and ended up murdering her after she rejected his advances. So that's the theory they're going on. But I thought it wasn't sexually motivated. Yeah. So it's not
0: (laughs) it's not sexually motivated, though. Yeah. And how did she break his neck?
1: Right. Then they found Susan Hayes. Susan Hayes was a young lab tech that Dr. Shepard was having an affair with. She said that Dr. Shepard wanted a divorce from Marilyn, but that Marilyn would not agree to a divorce. And so with this, prosecutors believe they knew the motive that he killed her to get out of being married to her because she would not grant him a divorce. It's a little sus.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. that It's a little wishy-washy.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is 1950s, though, and one thing we have to remember is in the 1950s, um, if you were found to be cheating on your wife you were considered an amoral person and so as soon as they found susan hayes like the court of public opinion basically crucified this guy yeah because he cheated on his pregnant wife so he must be guilty of killing her right and this is reminding me so freaking much of the lacey peterson case in california um but there's some different things with that too right so at trial just months after Marilyn's murder Coroner Sam Gerber testified that he did not believe the murder was sexually motivated, but he believed that it was rage motivated. That I can see with the way that she was beaten. I I can understand his take on that. I can't say that it wasn't sexually, though. He testified to the horrific wounds on Marilyn's body, as well as confirming her pregnancy. Detectives stated there was only one fingerprint at the scene and it was consistent with Dr. Sam Shepard. The fingerprint was found on Marilyn's headboard. So this is where it gets kind of weird, like 1950s sitcom that I didn't really think this was real. Inside the couple's bedroom, they did not have one bed. They had two separate twin beds.
0: Which isn't.
1: I didn't know. Like, I know it's what they always show on sitcoms and stuff, I but I didn't know that was real. I didn't know people actually lived would, like that
0: why would they show it on a sitcom if it wasn't like have well because some basis you can
1: you got like in the 50s you gotta be like careful
0: exactly and i'm sorry but hey my fingerprints on my wife's headboard because i was nailing her a couple day, days ago <laughs> we got frisky i mean she was pregnant so obviously coitus was a thing right so i mean
1: well and i also find it weird in this whole entire bedroom there's only one fingerprint Really? I don't know. And finally, Dr. Gerber stated that he believed an impression on a pillowcase demonstrated that the murder weapon was some sort of surgical instrument.
0: How the fuck are you getting an impression on a on a pillow on a pillowcase
1: with blood? I guess he's saying it was some sort of surgical instrument.
0: Okay, I that's so far-fetched.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird so i take it you're not convinced of his guilt
0: not at all not at all
1: well the defense team included the neurosurgeon who examined dr Shepard after the crime he attested to the neck fracture as well as a severe concussion he explained that these injuries were the cause of sam's gap in memories and his vague descriptions of this assailant the defense further argued that the crime scene was extremely bloody Yet Dr. Shepard had no blood on him other than the stain on the knee of his pants. On rebuttal, the prosecution suggested that the T-shirt Dr. Shepard had been wearing had disappeared and they believed he had washed off in the lake and thrown the bloody T-shirt away. Okay, I mean, I can see where that's maybe somewhat plausible. Yeah. I mean, okay. The defense also stated that Marilyn had broken teeth. And that it suggested that she had bit her attacker, yet Dr. Shepard did not sustain any bite wounds. I mean, you can have broken teeth from a lot of things. Right. And the beating she got. So I don't know if I'm quite on board with that either. Right. On December 21st, 1954, so remember, this was July 4th, 1954, so this trial, this was quick.
0: Yeah, this is expedited.
1: Yeah. The jury in the Sam Shepard murder trial deliberated for only four hours before reaching a verdict. Dr. Shepard was not guilty of first-degree murder, but was found guilty of second-degree murder.
0: Okay, I could see that.
1: He was sentenced to life in prison. He is sent to an Ohio penitentiary while his legal team immediately pursued an appeal. I do not think they had enough evidence to convict him. But this was a trial by media, much like the Scott Peterson case. Yeah. Where I'm not saying Scott Peterson's innocent. I don't think he is. But...
0: The media had a huge role in this.
1: And as soon as they found out Scott Peterson was having an affair, it was like, oh, he had to have done it. Right. And that's kind of like what this was, too.
0: Right. Because, I mean, let's... Let's be honest, like in the 50s, that was kind of commonplace. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate to say it that way, but it was more normal for men to have a uh, men to have a mistress. Yeah. Especially if you're a high profile. Right. Neurosurgeon that's making a shit ton of money.
1: Yeah. Upon his conviction, Sam's mother, Ethel Shepard, committed suicide by a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: 11 days later, Dr. Richard Shepard, Sam's father, died of a gastric bleeding ulcer and stomach cancer. Holy fuck. Yeah. Thomas Reese, Maryland's father, died of suicide in 1963. To say that this crime and conviction tore this family apart is just a massive understatement. Yeah. The Shepard family firmly believes that had... Sam not being convicted, his mother would not have committed suicide, and his father would have done better with his health. Like I realize his wasn't suicide. Well, I but mean, it
0: was stuff. They like, feel
1: like he gave up because his wife committed suicide and his son's in prison.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, eleven days—that's heartbreak syndrome written all over it. Yeah, but I'm sorry, you, he had like stomach cancer, and it's the fifty Like it's yeah. I mean, he
1: didn't have a good outlook, but yeah,
0: I mean, it probably would have been a lot longer than. Or a little bit longer than what he did, but damn. Right. Fuck.
1: Journalist Dorothy Kilgallen was present in the courtroom throughout the first trial. And she was somewhat of like a celebrity um, journalist. And so when she was in the trial, like right before it started, the judge asked to meet with her. And when he met with her, because he wanted to meet her, you know, she was famous. The judge made comments to Dorothy that included, quote, He's guilty. It's an open and shut case, end quote, proving that he was not impartial. This was before the trial had began. And you've already got a judge saying he's guilty of sin.
0: Yeah, I mean, luckily it was a jury trial, but still, when the judge has your number already.
1: Right. She did not report this, though, until after the conviction. Why? No freaking idea. She further wrote that the trial was a miscarriage of justice, and while the verdict may or may not have been correct, the state of Ohio failed to prove their case. I agree. Several appeals in the 1950s and 1960s were denied. Dr. Paul Kirk, a forensic pathologist, was hired by the defense team to look into this case. He agreed to examine the evidence, but he said, I'm impartial. You know, I'm not, you can hire me, but I'm not going to fall in your favor because you're paying the bill. Dr. Kirk examined the crime scene at the Shepherd home, which had been sealed since the original investigation. Interesting. They sealed this house up for years and years and years, but they didn't seal it in the days following the crime. Yeah, no shit. You know,
0: Dr. Kirk. Not even the day, the fucking night of the crime. Right. Or the morning of.
1: Yeah, it was very poorly handled. Dr. Kirk was one of the first in the United States to use blood splatter analysis. He found that the blood splatter evidence demonstrated that Marilyn was hit repeatedly by an object causing small blood droplets to cast off the weapon and onto the wall. The murderer would have been covered in blood and the murderer would have been left-handed. Dr. Shepard was right-handed and, of course, we know he was not covered in blood. Now, he was wet and had admittedly been in the lake a larger blood stain on the stairs had previously been attributed to a dripping murder weapon is what the police had said what caused this big blood stain on the stairs um but it was determined to be type o and that was consistent with maryland's but when they um or I'm sorry, that was not consistent with Marilyn's. So it could not have been Marilyn's blood. Right. This big blood stain on the stairs. Because now this is before DNA. Um, but it was type O and um I think Marilyn maybe was type O, but they proved it wasn't hers. Right. And Doctor Shepard was type A. So you've got blood at the crime scene that belongs to neither Mr. or Mrs. Shepard.
0: Right. Like and I like and I love I know this sounds weird at this point in time, but like the progression of forensics at, at this point. You know, in the 50s, it was, oh, that's blood. And, you know, 10 years, less than 10 years later, oh, that's more than just blood. That's A, A blood or O blood. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's not blood. Spl- like, that's just blood on the wall. No, that's blood splatter. And it's from this doing this and this. Right. Like, this is why I love like the Mind hunter and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, again, there's no DNA, but the fact that we know there was somebody else bleeding on the stairs that night provided, you know, reasonable doubt on his guilt for right. sure. If you didn't already have reasonable right. doubt, I mean,
0: there's more than just this that was reasonable doubt at this point. I still want to know, like, what the prosecution was like for how he got a broken neck. Did they, like, were they, like, they
1: were saying it was self inflicted. I know. My thoughts exactly. Okay. Despite this new evidence, though, Sam's appeal was once again denied. In 1963, the television show The Fugitive, about a doctor who is wrongly accused of killing his wife, hit television. In the show, the doctor goes on the run to find his wife's true killer. The show was insanely popular, and it brought Marilyn Shepard's case back to the media. So the creator of the fugitive television show was inspired by this case. Now, there's a lot of things online that say the movie is as well, but the the director of that says that is not the case. I, I Are you don't. talking
0: about the one with Harrison Ford? Yeah,
1: but this is the TV I, uh, show. Yeah,
0: I've never seen the movie, and I, I, I've never even heard of the TV
1: show, so... Well, it was in the 60s, so we probably yeah. wouldn't. Um, Sam's previous defense attorney had passed away, but the media coverage-interested attorney... F. Lee Bailey, an up-and-coming defense attorney. Let's kind of
0: go back to the fact that this murder case was the reason why they made the TV show, mm-hmm. which is the reason why now that it's he's going to get a new defense attorney. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's a weird circle that really weird.
1: Yes, it is, for sure. So... F. Lee Bailey, he files an appeal and he wants to have the conviction tossed out based upon the enormous media coverage, the judge's prejudicial comments, and the forensic evidence discovered by Dr. Kirk. In 1964, after spending 10 years in prison, the United States District Court vacated the conviction of Dr. Samuel Shepard.
0: Only took him 10 years.
1: Yeah. The state of Ohio was not prepared, though, to let Dr. Shepard enjoy his freedom whatsoever, and they immediately refiled charges of murder. In the meantime, Dr. Shepard gave interviews in which he explained that he was angry as the ordeal had not only taken 10 years of his life, but the lives of his parents and his father-in-law. Three days after Dr. Shepard was released pending a new trial, he married... Good
0: luck with that name.
1: He married Arion... Teven J- Johns, I don't know if that's even remotely correct. She's a German divorcee who he had been pen pals with during his incarceration. I thought it
0: would have been like Teven Johans.
1: So of course, you know, he gets married right, right after. Like, it, but people are looking at him like in a bad light. But that's it's not.
0: Ten, it's been ten fucking years.
1: Right. It's not fair. Um, Doctor Shepard's second trial began in 1966. This time, the jury was sequestered to shield them from the media attention. Thank God. When Dr. Sam Gerber testified about the murder weapon being a surgical instrument, F. Lee Bailey asked him to identify the specific instrument. And guess what? Dr. Gerber could not. So he had enough to sit there and tell this, you know, to tell the truth court twice that the murder weapon was a surgical instrument but he couldn't tell you what surgical instrument right and he's a doctor
0: right and if you're saying oh it looks like like it couldn't have been just an instrument it had to be a surgical instrument well then you'd like if you're saying it's a surgical instrument you kind of have a guess what kind yeah what it is you know?
1: so and i don't on know. The stand he admits that he compared the impression to Every surgical instrument he could find and could not find a match. Yet he went and in I'm, and testified that it was a surgical and instrument. And I'm trying to figure out like, like he should have been arrested for perjury. Like what I'm trying to
0: figure out is they said she was bludgeoned basically to death. Mm-hmm. I don't know too many surgical instruments that are blunt objects.
1: No, not unless you're doing like osteo surgery and you're hammering a bone. Right. This time, Susan Hayes, Dr. Shepard's mistress, was not permitted to testify as that was considered non-related. And it is non-related. Correct. Um, Dr. Kirk also testified about the forensic evidence proving there was blood in the house that belonged to neither Marilyn nor Sam. The blood on Sam's pants was proven not to be Marilyn's. Dr. Sam Shepard was acquitted... On all charges, which it
0: should have been from the beginning. Like, and that this is, yeah, no, I don't. There was nothing in any of the evidence that they had that, except for him being the husband, right? You know, but it was I a,
1: understand why he was a suspect, right? But he should I not can, have been charged. But I think the the media pressured,
0: oh god, it the was state
1: a, into charging him when they a, didn't have the evidence to back it up.
0: This was a media shitstorm.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Following his acquittal. Dr. Shepard attempted to resume his medical and surgical practice, but there was multiple incidents where patients sued him for malpractice and his medical license was eventually revoked. Dr. Shepard had begun to drink heavily. His life was spiraling, something his brothers contributed to being wrongfully convicted of the murder of his wife. His marriage to Arianne ended in divorce in 1969. Sam then married Colleen Strickland. She was, I think, like 18 or 19. Colleen's father was Sam's wrestling trainer because once his medical career ended, Sam became a professional wrestler using the name, quote, Killer Sam Shepard, end quote.
0: I mean. The-
1: what he told the media was, if this is what people are going to think of me, I'll at least use it to my advantage.
0: Sure. I mean, there's some irony in that. And that's it's awesome.
1: And I think he did that on purpose.
0: Oh, 100%. I don't
1: think he's guilty. I don't not at all he was drinking very very heavily as much as two-fifths of liquor per day that's just flabbergasting to me yeah
0: and to be able to be coherent with
1: right I uh, mean I but he lost everything I mean he lost his parents he lost his wife he lost his in-laws you know happened to his son um he was still in his son's life. Okay. Um I don't know if he necessarily lived with him at this point cuz when he got out his son would have been like 17. Right. But he he continued to have a relationship with his okay. son throughout this whole time. Um on the morning of April 6, 1970, Dr. Sam Shepard died at his home at age 46 of liver failure and Wernicke's encephalopathy. He literally drank himself to death. Yep. Like this is a very sad situation. Case yeah. the whole thing is just this so is, sad, it's so
0: fucking messed up.
1: Mm-hmm. But the case didn't die there. A journalist learned that a man named Richard Eberling had been sent to prison for murdering an elderly woman in her home. Eberling had previously worked for the Shepherd family as a window washer. In fact, police had arrested him for an unrelated charges after the murder and found two of Marilyn's rings in his possession.
0: Oh, you mean something that might have been in the drawers that were all shuffled and tossed?
1: Right. He admitted to, quote, cutting himself accidentally inside the shepherd's house. Information that he volunteered without prompting to authorities. So he's admitting, my blood's probably in that house. And they didn't even ask him about his blood. No. And the
0: fact that you've, like huh let's say it was a crime of rage like we were saying and he was found with two of the deceased woman's rings on him but nothing
1: right so despite having another viable suspect you know police seem to have tunnel vision and they just kind of ignored the situation and they released Eberling and continued to pursue Dr. Shepard Richard Eberling was born in Ohio and lived a pretty rough life, as we, we often hear. He had never had a real family, and he had always fantasized about that. He admitted to being attracted to Marilyn Shepherd, commenting on both what a good mother she was and how tight her shorts were. Jesus. Eberling passed a polygraph test, however, leading authorities to believe he had not been involved in Marilyn's murder. Again, we can't even... Like, I think in the 50s, you could probably put those into trial, but now we don't because we know that they're bullshit. Right. You know? In 1984, Ethel Mae Durkin died in her home in Lakewood, Ohio. She had no immediate family and was cared for by Richard Eberling and another caregiver. The wealthy elderly woman's estate was placed under the guardianship of Richard Eberling. Under suspicion... The body of Ethel was exhumed and found to have injuries not matching those reported at the time of her death. Eberling and another man were both sentenced to life for the murder of Ethel May Durkin. And this kind of prompted some further investigation into the 1962 murder of Ethel's sister, Myrtle Frey, and the 1970 death of another sister, Sarah Farrow. All three women all three sisters, had been under Eberling's care at the time of their deaths. Myrtle Frey was found with her nightgown pulled up and had been savagely beaten in the head and face. Huh,
0: like somebody else we know.
1: Right. The crime was so similar to that of Marilyn Shepherd. Eberling was sent to prison to serve his life sentence for murdering at least two of these women he was found guilty of murdering of the three sisters. It's firmly believed that he probably killed all three. I think the other one was they attributed it to a fall down the stairs, which could easily been a push exactly. The journalist who connected Eberling met with him several times. She described him as very creepy. She said one time he interrupted her mid conversation and asked her quote, why do women fight when they are being raped? End quote.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. He's a, he's a real sicko. This prompted the exhumation of Marilyn and DNA testing to be performed between 1997 and 1999, 45 years after the murder. The DNA testing proved that the vaginal swab from the autopsy contained sperm that did not belong to Dr. Sam Shepard. A blood stain on the wall of the bedroom and the stairs were tested and concluded that neither belonged to Dr. Sam Shepard nor Marilyn Shepard. While the testing could not prove Eberling was the source, it also could not exclude him like it could Dr. Shepard. Right. According to Wikipedia, the analysis was 90% confident that the blood and sperm were from Richard Eberling, but this is not conclusive enough in the court of law.
0: Right. I mean, it's weird that a 90 isn't passing.
1: Yeah, they want it like 99.
0: Yeah, they want it dead to rights. Yeah. Like one in a couple million chance that it could be somebody else.
1: But all of the forensics did not support this theory though remember the blood that was found on the stairs that was type o but right. not maryland's well mr eberling had type a blood so that didn't fit and so with that and the dna only being like 90 percent conclusive the authorities did not feel like they had enough to try richard eberling with the murder and so he was never um, charged with Marilyn's murder he died in prison in 1998 Multiple friends and cellmates claimed that Eberling confessed on multiple occasions to killing Marilyn Shepard. Jesus. A civil trial for wrongful imprisonment was brought to court by Samuel Reese Shepard, Chip, the son of the couple, in the year 2000. Given the new evidence, Chip wanted to prove his father's innocence once and for all. The jury heard 10 weeks of testimony from 76 witnesses. The state of Ohio continued to state that Dr. Sam Shepard was guilty of murder. They argued the DNA evidence was not reliable as it was not stored properly during the 50 years since the crime. It was kept in a safe at Dr. Sam Gerber's house.
0: How the Why the fuck would you want to keep that? I mean, holy shit.
1: I don't know. It's so weird. Like, I get it that that's not... Like, you can't prove the chain of custody, and so the DNA evidence is weak. I get it. But this is because of what they did wrong.
0: Right. It's nothing, it's nothing like, it's not like somebody fucked up. Well, they fucked up at the very beginning, uh, on the onset of this case.
1: Right. The state showed x-rays that were taken after the crime and said that these x-rays, which were of Dr. Shepard, did not show a broken neck. So I don't know if he had one or not. The neurosurgeon who examined him said he did. They're saying these x-rays prove he did not. I don't know. They also reminded the jury that the type O blood at the scene could not have been Eberling's as he was type A. The defense of Dr. Shepard countered with their own expert who stated that the wounds suffered by Dr. Shepard could not have been faked. He said there's no way to self-inflict those kind of injuries. Right. The jury decided that the evidence did not prove Dr. Shepard's innocence, meaning Chip lost his case for the wrongful imprisonment. And in the eyes of many, Dr. Shepard is still considered guilty. Many rumors and theories about the murder of Marilyn have been publicized. One theory is that Marilyn told friends that Dr. Shepard was sterile after being around radiation from x-rays for years. They concluded that Marilyn had her own affair and became pregnant. The theory that Dr. Shepard killed his wife for being unfaithful and carrying another man's child was voiced. However, DNA testing proved Dr. Shepard was, in fact, the father of Marilyn's unborn baby. So that theory kind of got tossed right out the window. Right. Many residents of Ohio have strong opinions about this case one way or another. Some believe that Richard Eberling was the murderer and some insist Dr. Shepard was still guilty and eventually got away with murder. So I'm curious, Chris. What do you think?
0: I don't think he did it.
1: I don't think he did either.
0: No, I mean, but I can't 100% say that it was Richard Everling either. But
1: I think I would have if I was sitting on both juries, hearing all this evidence. Which I get, all this evidence wasn't available in the 1950s. Totally get that. Right. But if I could hear all the evidence we have today and sit on both juries,
0: I, I mean, if I, I would I, have
1: a lot harder time
0: not try not charging. Yeah, Richard I think
1: Richard Everling. I think I would probably find guilty.
0: Right. God, it sucks though that Chip lost his...
1: Yeah. And like, so then and in so the legal standpoints, they still consider Dr. Shepard maybe mur- guilty, but not really murdered because he was acquitted and he could not never be recharged. Right. But it just... it's oh,
0: I don't God, know. This is a fucked up case.
1: And, you know, the family, the Shepard family has done so many interviews and... This just destroyed their entire family. Of course, a murder is always going to destroy your family. But then, you know, it, it, they feel like the the conviction then further destroyed it. And then, of course, you know, it led to suicide. multiple suicides. And then, I mean, Dr. Shepard may as well have committed suicide. He literally drank himself to death.
0: Right. He was, what, 46, you said? Yeah. Like, Jesus.
1: You know, yeah. this is just a terrible, terrible case.
0: Yeah. and It's, a, it's like, shame on you fucking... Police department that let like let all this shit happen.
1: Let neighbors just walk in.
0: You know, in the fucking coroner that just like you know, fuck it, I'm taking the body. They they don't need it. You know, it's only a homicide. They and don't... all
1: the DNA evidence, I'll just store that in my basement. It's fine
0: in a safe for fifty fucking years.
1: Right. So I get it. I get that the DNA is probably not standard enough for a legal case. Right. But... I really don't believe that Dr. Shepard killed his wife.
0: the fucking Cincinnati Herald or whatever the fucking newspaper was that decided to just keep, like,
1: Mm -hmm. I
0: get it. Like, a murder even now, like, especially in, like, smaller towns and shit like that, it's a big fucking deal. Right. You know, it's going to make headlines and shit like that but god damn like you guys would not leave it alone the
1: media is not supposed to blatantly place blame though no they're supposed to be neutral and report the facts and what they're being told
0: when has the fucking media ever been true neutral
1: I understand what you're saying. But like if you pick up a newspaper, even today, there's a murder trial going on that we're pretty invested in right now. You yeah. pick up the newspaper article and you read it. You're pretty convinced of which side you're on based on the newspaper article. However, nowhere in there do they specifically call out and say this person's guilty as hell. You know, and that's our they- call
0: for the call for the arraignment or right. The- Oh shit. No. Like I, it's
1: insane. This is
0: a sh- this is a shit situation.
1: And this this is a a case that's like studied in law schools because they talk about like the media's influence on trials oh, and yeah. why, you know, it's one of the reasons why you can get a change of venue and things like that because, you know, we see what well, happens yeah. when media is overly involved.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at how many judges have, you know, the case that we're interested in. Mm -hmm. you know they have it so it's it's open to public but no cameras right you know like a lot of judges are being like no 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 media is going to be allowed in here if the reporter wants to sit in here that's fine but you're not going to take videotapes you're not gonna like fuck the oj trial
1: well and this is one of the reasons why when i select cases because i've been given a lot of cases that are still sort of open um if it's a cold, cold case, I may cover it. But if it's an open, active investigation, I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole. And this is why.
0: Yeah, because you could start, like, I know we're just a small little podcast, but we could, there's...
1: Well, and then look at, I mean, even the case of, of the girls in Delphi. Like, I got to the point where I was like, well, this has been cold a long time. I'm pretty comfortable. We'll go ahead and report the story on it. And I had a very strong opinion of who i thought was guilty three days later they arrested somebody completely out of the blue that we had no idea about so that's the other reason why i try not to do ongoing cases because we don't have the full story we can sit here and speculate all we want
0: you know a lot of this you know information that we get is through like freedom of information act and stuff like that you know once the trial is over unless it becomes sealed It's pretty much become, you know, that's when you can get the nitty-gritty stuff.
1: Right. And then I can actually give you good information and not Not just just theories. And hearsay. Yeah, exactly. So um, if you're ever wondering why I don't pick a lot of open cases or cold cases um, like some of the other podcasts like to do, that's why. Um, I don't want to be overly involved in it and influence anybody anywhere, especially a potential juror. So... Well, thank you guys again for your support. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, we're both
0: happy to be back. We'll see you
1: again next week with a brand new episode. Yep. Talk to you guys later. Bye.